Side Hustle Show 224, five grand a month as a self-published author. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where it's all about ideas, action, and results toward building those job-free income streams. Today's episode is one for the authors. If you've ever thought about writing a book, and statistically, that's like 80% of us, this one is for you. And in contrast to the self-publishing episodes we've done in the past, my guest today is primarily a fiction writer, and he says where most authors fail is in not understanding the business and marketing side of writing. They write the book they want to write, not necessarily the book readers uh, want or need to read. And so there's definitely a balance to strike there, especially on the fiction side. So I'm joined by Derek Murphy. He's the author of a dozen different books, mainly in the young adult fantasy genre, and is up to five grand a month in author royalties. Stay tuned to hear how he knows a book will sell before he ever outlines the first chapter, how he quickly and relatively inexpensively built up an email list of thousands of readers, and some unique ways he uses Amazon to field test ideas for new stories. You can find Derek at creativeindie.com. That's creative without the E at the end, and indie, like an indie movie. Of course, I'll link up that site, which has a ton of great resources for authors in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at sidehustlenation.com slash Derek, D-E-R-E-K. While you're there, be sure to download the free PDF highlight reel from this episode with all of Derek's top tips and strategies. My top takeaways from this chat with Derek after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. Well, I wanted to get away from client work and be focused on my own products, and I also really wanted to get into writing fiction, which is kind of a goal, but was very challenging. It seems a lot more like a nonfiction book. I can just knock it out and it, I don't really care as long as it's solving a problem and people get content out of it. It's fine. Yeah. But with fiction, you really have to create this long reading experience and it has to keep them engaged through the whole story. So that's, I think it's a lot harder and more challenging, but also more interesting. And the nice thing about fiction is that there's a lot more demand and, and fiction readers read a lot faster. So nonfiction reader might read one or two books a month, whereas a fiction reader can read 10 or 20 novels a month because that's just what they do. So if they love, you know, werewolf novels, they're going to buy every new werewolf novel that comes out. So there's a lot more demand and it's possible to make a lot more money with fiction if you're doing it well, which is why I think there's a lot of opportunity because there's a lot of competition in nonfiction because a lot of people know how to kind of game Kindle or how to get a nonfiction book to stick on on Amazon and make some money. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who are just writing short, possibly decent books or possibly not so decent books. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll reserve judgment for those people. Right. But I mean, because you can make it work with nonfiction. There's a lot of competition, but everyone's kind of doing the same thing. So with fiction, the vast majority of authors don't know anything about business or keywords or Amazon, anything. So because it's their first time, like running any kind of online business. So they have so much to learn. It's difficult for them to do all the things they need to do to get their books to stick really well on Amazon. Whereas I actually know what I'm doing. So I can write, I mean, the hard part for me is writing the fiction. And it was really a challenge to kind of get comfortable and have the confidence to put it out there. But also I'm intentionally writing specific books that satisfy a targeted genre readership. So I know that people are going to like my books. I know that those readers are going to like my books because they're very similar to all the other best-selling books in that genre. And I do that intentionally. I don't think it's about selling out. I just see it as 
if I'm going to write a book, I'm not just writing it for myself or for the experience or the challenge of writing the book. I'm writing it to provide a reading experience that a certain kind of reader enjoys and is willing to pay for. So then I deserve the money that I'm earning from it as long as I can keep them reading and I can keep them entertained to the end. Yeah. Were you a voracious fiction reader yourself? I was when I was younger. Okay. I would go to the library and just come back with like 20 books, just a huge stack of books and get through those in a couple of weeks and go back and get more. Yeah. I read tons. And then I, I did my master's and my PhD in literature. So I had to read like all of the real books, all the big, heavy, classical, famous books. Uh And that kind of, I don't know if that really helped my writing a lot, but (laughs) it's nice. I think the nice thing about fiction is that I'll follow a template and I'll follow an outline to make sure that it's an entertaining story, but then you're also always putting yourself in. So my books, they have a lot of mythology and kind of research and facts. And because I travel a lot, they're usually set in other countries. There's a lot of like, it's a little bit like travelogging where I can describe the culture of the food. So those are th- just things that make my fiction unique because of my background. I think every every writer will put some of their own knowledge into the story, Yeah, which is kind of what makes them unique, or their books unique. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make you uh, able to write off all your trips? <laughs> it should, yeah. <laughs> I'm here on research. No, I mean, that, that's something that I love about, right. you know, all of like the Dan Brown books, right? It's like, oh, I'm reading Inferno and then we'll go visit Florence and Venice and Istanbul. Like, it's really cool like to be like, oh, we went there. That was in the book. You know, you can follow the, the path. Yeah, I did that last year. We went to Bulgaria and Hungary because one of mine is set there. And then we went to Ireland for a month because I have one set there. So I really went to the places I talk about in the book so I could see them. Yeah. Which was I don't know if it's necessary, but I think it's helpful, or at least it's kind of a reason to go to travel. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, see it firsthand. Now that's so you kind of mentioned my understanding of the fiction market is like the hits are going to be bigger than a nonfiction hit, but it's a harder nut to crack, right? You know, for every blockbuster, Harry Potter or you know whatever else is up there at the top of the charts, like there is thousands and thousands of books that nobody's ever heard of. But you mentioned, hey, I'm going after this specific genre, like I know people are interested in this topic. So it's similar in, like you said, doing the keyword research, knowing that this is something that people are actively looking for. Can you speak to that a little bit more? How do you know this is going to be a hit before you write it or know this thing is going to have customers before you write it? I actually don't think there's that much competition because if you're comparing all the books published, then yeah, there's millions of books being published, but 99% of the books being published by indie authors they don't have a good cover. They don't have a good description. They're not getting any book reviews. And then they don't do any marketing. So their books are ranked like you're, the only competition is really in the top 10,000. Because if you're not in the top 10,000, you're probably not earning very much money right. anyway. So those millions of books aren't your competitors. You only have to get into the top 10,000. And out of those, there's only maybe 100 books that are in your genre that are serious contenders. Okay. And so like if I was trying to compete for vampire romance like that's a crazy competitive keyword so it'd be difficult for me to rank well for vampire anything however vampire is the most searched for terms is it really (laughs) yeah it's very uh i wrote it down recently but i i'm using kdp rocket which is dave chesson's tool Uh so i'll use that to kind of i'm writing kind of like every genre i'm writing a bunch of series and i'm writing like 10 different series starters and then seeing which one is the most popular so I can finish the series that's going to be, that's going to sell the best. Okay. So I'm writing like dystopia and vampire and werewolf and everything, but 
a big part of the success is how many people are searching for that thing. So I have a mermaid book, which does really well for a mermaid book. When people search for mermaids on Amazon, my book will come up, but there's not so much demand. So I can get it sticking at around like seven or 8,000 in the top 10,000 and it still earns money. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty strong. Which is great, but it's not as if it was selling well as a vampire book, it would earn a lot more money because there's so many more people searching for it. I have one that's like dark fantasy fallen angels and that's kind of midway between vampires and mermaids. So fallen angels, that book ranks at about 1000 in the Amazon store most of the time with very little promotion. And that's the one that's really earning quite a bit of money. So it really depends so much on what people are searching for. And then if you've actually written the type of book that will satisfy them, because there's a lot of like most indie authors, they're writing the book they want to write that they think is really interesting. And they don't want to consider the market. They don't want to think about the readers or what's popular. And there's this weird literary divide where there's people who talk about writing and writing books, and they think their book needs to be new and creative and different. So they do these like genre bending things where they can't describe who will like it. They can't describe where, like where it fits in. They'll say stuff like it's completely different from anything else. So I'm not going to label it with any keywords. And that just means nobody's going to find it because when people are looking for what they want on Amazon, they'll be using keywords like best vampire book or best mermaid book for teens. And if you're not using any keywords, your book is going to be invisible. So it doesn't really matter. Like at that point, if you don't have a description, your description has kind of two features. It has to have the right keywords so it gets found. And then it has to be attractive to the people who are searching for those keywords so that it gets sold. And a lot of writers, they're just not using any keywords because they don't know how to position their book. They don't know who is looking for their book or what terms they're using. And if your book is kind of invisible on Amazon, it doesn't really matter what your description is like or how good your book cover is because nobody's seeing it. You've got to kind of balance your own creativity with, you know, the story you want to write with what people want to read, it sounds like. So, okay, you mentioned KDP Rocket, which is Dave's, Dave Chesson from Kindlepreneurs, his keyword research software for Amazon. It is a paid tool. Any other research tools that you like or or how are you using that data? Because it's not like nonfiction where you put that <laughs> put that main keyword like as the title of your book, right? Yeah, um, you can actually. I'm not sure that it's weird because I think... Books tend to convert better with fiction if, well, I've seen both ways. I've seen books with a very short description and only a title and very little keywords that converts really well, but they had to get the visibility first, but then it converts really well. I've also seen people just have this huge long description with tons of keywords crammed in and all these reviews and all these credibility boosters, like best-selling books. I've seen both of those work really well, so it's hard to find like a formula that works for me, sometimes, yeah, I'll just say like Shearwater and then I'll put a mermaid romance in the subtitle or the title even. And I'll put a lot of keywords in my description, in my author bio, in other people's reviews. I like to have a lot of keywords. I mean, you can use KDP Rocket to search for all the keywords to see what people are actually searching for and then fix your description. Because after you've written the book, you're really not going to go back and like rewrite the book, but you can package your book and present it in a way that's going to appeal to the biggest audience who are searching for terms that are related to your book, as long as you know what your genre is or who your target audience is. The other kind of easy thing to do, I've been trying out Amazon ads, which can be super good 
for promoting books because that's kind of like the perfect native content. You yeah. you advertise your book on Amazon and it shows up under the other books. It looks like it kind of a natural search results. So if you can get a lot of visibility there, that can be a really affordable way to significantly boost your sales, especially if you're in Kindle Unlimited and you're getting page by the page read. But what you can do in Amazon ads is just add like a, I think it's up to a thousand keywords. So you can dump a thousand keywords related to your genre in Amazon ads and then just see which ones actually work, which ones people are, like which ones are getting more visibility and getting cheaper clicks and selling the book. And then if you can focus on just picking a few of those that are really working well, you'll know which keywords you need to be focused on. And you can add those into your description or you could try to get other kind of natural SEO stuff happening. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I've been playing around with the Amazon ads. So it's Amazon marketing services, those ads myself. Like it's, I don't know, it's been pretty addicting to be like, to have, you know, a paid traffic source that, that is, that converts, that's profitable. And yeah, like you said, so if you're on a book page on Amazon, it'll show like underneath the cover and the description and stuff, it'll show like people who bought this also bought that. And it's like this nice, like kind of native looking mm-hmm. carousel. And underneath that, it says for a lot of titles, sponsor products related to this item. And it's like just another carousel. So people assume it's like another people who bought this also bought that, right? And so you can find right. yourself scrolling through there. And I found average cost per click, like 13, 14 cents at this point and profitable traffic. So it's kind of kind of a fun thing. So that's one good way to get some eyeballs to your book if it's already been published. But can you tell me a little bit about your author list building strategy? Yeah, I was going to mention 
the other thing I do with also bots before I launch a book, I'll really focus on building up those also bots. So I'll find like my 10 competitors or the other books that are similar to mine. Uh, and I'll put a post together like these are the top 10 best-selling young adult fantasy books based on Greek mythology or something really specific. And I'll just put a blog post that lists those books. And then I'll get those authors to share my blog post because I'm basically featuring them or promoting them. Yeah. And then tied into that, I'll do a book giveaway to build my list. So I'll set up my article that has like, these are my 10 recommended books of this genre. And then I'll say win, I'll use King Sumo, which is a really nice giveaway platform. And I'll give away a package of books and I'll target, I'll use Facebook ads to target people who like those books or those authors. And usually those authors will share my giveaway because I'm kind of promoting their books also. Yeah. So that's really, it's an easy way to get a lot of, other authors to it's good for making relationships which is really important because the other authors won't know who you are until you start doing stuff like this but then if you're the organizer and you're putting together this group promotion thing that really benefits everybody and then i'll be building my list and i'll tell my list here's another giveaway here are these 10 books i recommend it improves my also bots because i'm associating my book with those other books which is really good and i'm kind of trying to sell those books to my list so that when they buy my books also my also bots are stronger. And you can do that with Amazon ads too, where you just advertise targeting those other authors of those other books so that you can start, if you put your book up on pre-order and you run Amazon ads for a while before, you could get your also bots pretty well filled out before you launch the book. Okay. And then for book giveaways, I would just do like the giveaway of 10, 10 books that are similar to mine and build a big list. That's done pretty well for me. I built like 8,500 before I launched my first book. And then I've gotten it up to like 30,000 young adult readers in the last year. Wow. Which is enough. Like I could, I kind of wanted to build it up to a hundred thousand just for fun. <laughs> and I could do that. But when you do a lot of giveaways, authors usually are skeptical because it's true that when you do a lot of giveaways, you get a lot of freebie seekers who, who aren't really fans of your genre. So you have to be selective in your targeting. You don't want to appeal to everybody. So it's not a really a great idea to give away like a, a gift card or something. But if you, advertise specifically to people who like those books and they're only winning like a package of young adult books. It's probably going to be the right readers and only the right, the right readers. Yeah. Give me a walkthrough of this. So you bought these 10 books or you're going to buy them for these people. So that costs you, you know, a hundred bucks, probably at the higher end. Right. What's the Facebook ad budget look like that to get to that 8,500 launch list? About a hundred bucks could do it. A hundred bucks to get 8,500 people? Dude, that's crazy cheap. Well, because with King Sumo, so you you advertise it to get it started. And the nice thing about doing it on Facebook or something is they'll probably follow you on Facebook anyway because you're promoting this giveaway, this nice giveaway with best-selling books that they recognize. So they're they're like, oh, this guy is giving away good stuff. Let's follow him on Facebook. And then when you share it, because on King Sumo, you get more points when you share the giveaway. So they'll share it on Twitter and Facebook. And when they share it on Twitter, they're using my handle, my Twitter handle. So as a byproduct, I get a lot of likes on Twitter and Facebook, but then they're sharing, like I might get a couple hundred people to sign up for the giveaway, but then I can email them and say, you have more chances to win. There's still another week to win. There's another day to, to win. I can keep encouraging them to keep sharing. So they'll keep sharing to their friends and it will pick, be picked up by more friends and more friends. So it kind of just keeps spreading. If it's a really good juicy prize with best-selling books that they that they recognize and they want, especially physical books. It works really it's worked really well for my genre especially 
and it's getting it's getting more competitive because like I started doing it a year ago and there was I saw other people doing it but they were only giving like a couple books away so I just did it better my giveaway packages is like 10 or 15 books and when I started doing it there really wasn't other people doing it as well so it was it was easy for me to do it better and to get better results okay now it's pretty common to do kind of joint giveaways and the way that a lot of people are doing it they do a joint giveaway with 10 or 20 authors, but then they all share the same list. So then all those people are getting kind of not spammed, but they're getting a lot of emails from a lot of authors at the same time. And they just unsubscribe to everybody or they're less likely to pay attention. Okay. So when I do it, like I don't, I'll include other authors, but I, but I won't share the list because I want to keep control of building that relationship. Because after you do a giveaway, you need to let them know who you actually are. You need to offer them a free book so that they'll try to get into your reading and then you'll try to kind of screen out the people who actually don't give a shit about your writing and try to keep the people who could become real fans. And then I just give my, I give all my books away for free to my email list to fans when I launch um, because I use them for reviews. So I have probably 20,000 people on my list, but I'll get, you know, when I do a free day or a free campaign, I'll get three or 4,000 downloads right away, which puts me at the top of Kindle. So I reach new readers and then I can get 100 reviews pretty quickly with the size of my list. So I'll just ask them to leave reviews. And then if I've done everything right, my book will stick on Amazon. It has a lot of reviews already. It has a nice cover and it should just keep selling to new people because it's sticking high in the rankings. Okay. Let's walk through that launch. So the King Sumo software is $200 roughly. And then occasionally it's on, you know, AppSumo Black Friday special or whatever. So say $400 ballpark, you know, between the, right. the software, between the ads and between like, okay, now we got to buy these books for the giveaway. Right. And now we've got 8,500 people. And so we send the, Hey, the book is ready. Timing wise. Was it like a week after the contest ended or was it like, you know, a month? What was that timing? Like I actually, at first I just kept giving them more giveaways. So like the first year, my books were free. I put my books perma free for about six months, which was also the really nice thing about Permafree is that on the one hand, when people download a free book, their expectations are lower, so they're more likely to review it more positively because they're pleasantly surprised. Whereas even at 99 <laughs> cents, at 99 cents, it's harder to sell the book and you'll get harsher reviews at the beginning. So the easy way to launch a book if you have no platform is just to put everything out on Permafree and wait till you have 100 reviews. I probably gave away like 100,000 copies of my book wow. in the first six months and I built a big email list. This is for, for Shearwater? Yeah, I had like, I had four half books and they all ended on cliffhangers and then people would sign up on my email list to get the rest of it when I finished. Okay. But I didn't really have to do any marketing because that was just free. So free books tend to stick pretty well on Amazon and they earn better reviews. But then after like six months, after it has a lot of history and it has a lot of reviews, a lot of downloads, I can just switch it to paid and it will stick pretty well because it has all that history which is something I'll probably keep doing for new launches. It's just, I could, like, I don't have to do that anymore because now I have a big platform. Yeah, the way you were calculating it, I'm sure I spent a couple thousand building this stuff. Like the first couple times I did a launch, building my list, doing the giveaways. I spent a lot last year building my platform. Yeah. But now I don't have to spend any money when I launch a book. I can just put it out there and tell my list about it and it will stick. The one I just put out, Shearwater, like I just put out the full, I put out the half book before and now I put out the whole book which is the Mermaid Romance one. And it's earned about $3,000 in the last two months. Okay, okay. So it's like, I'm not promoting it that hard, but it's doing fine. And it's it's the one that's not, the other one that's selling a lot better is making more money. But this one, like, you know, I, 
I didn't really try very hard on the launch, but it's working anyway and it's earning money. So, you know, it'll probably earn at least a thousand a month from now on. People ask me because they're skeptical about just giving away free books. They're like, how do you make any money if you give your books away for free? Yeah. But I had to do that because I didn't have a platform. And if you're starting out and you don't have any platform, giving away your books for free is just the easiest way to do it. I know a lot of authors who try to sell it at $2.99 and they spend so much time and money and effort trying to promote this book and trying to get people to buy it. And they're not earning any money anyway. So they're really spending more than they earn. And so I just gave all my books away for free to build a platform and to get the history. And now it's pretty easy for, for me to keep the book selling, which was my intention. Yeah, you could afford to do it because you're paying the bills with the client work during this kind of build up period. That's true. A couple really interesting things is like, well, it ended, it was only half done. It ended on a cliffhanger and it was like, okay, sign up here to get notified when it's, when it's ready. <laughs> like that's genius. It's like, you know, versus like, oh, I can't publish this until it's, it's complete. It's like, well, I could publish this out to like kind of lure people in and, and the perma-free thing just for people's references. So you can publish the same work on another platform like Google Playbooks or Smashwords Premium or whatever and set the price to free over there and then notify Amazon, hey, would you mind price matching this? Is that still the process? Right. And the the thing was with the half books, I actually, my original plan was just to write like 10,000 words, just the very beginning of a story. Because if they don't read the first three chapters or so, if they're not interested, they're not going to continue with the story anyway. So Instead of, I know a lot of authors who just, they won't release a book until the whole series is finished. So they write three books, but then if nobody likes like the first three chapters of the first book, that whole series isn't going to make any money. So I'd rather just test all my ideas out and make sure that they're going to be enjoyed by people before I spend more time on them. But I actually ended up finishing, my half books were like 40,000 or 50,000 words. So they were pretty long already. Yeah, no, that's really long. It was a decent chunk of writing. So for a free book, people were really satisfied. A lot of people, they don't like how I was publishing. A lot of people didn't like that I was giving away free books or giving away half books, but they still signed up to my list or they still left a good review. They'd say like, I get a lot of three-star reviews. They're like, I love this book. It was amazing. It was perfect. I hated that it ended. (laughs) I hated that I, I hated that it wasn't a full book. So it's a three-star review, but that's actually a good review for me because all it says is that they liked it, that they liked the story. That's all other readers are looking for. Yeah, and and now they can go and find the full title now. Yeah, um, I'm still kind of, it's a weird process of rolling them all out and I I haven't finished all of the ones that I put out last year yet, but I'm I'm starting to. And now that I have a big list, now that when I put out a full book, I don't need to do all those list building giveaways. I don't have to do perma-free for a long time, although... I'll probably do Perma Free anyway because I really think it helps to get the rank to stick without promotion. So I think that's really helping me get ahead of everyone else. It's just a tactic that nobody else is using yet. Yeah, well, there's a crazy way to kind of validate a book idea, validate a series in this case, and see which one is going to stick and which one, okay, maybe this one isn't worth the time to finish and, and build out. <laughs> With all these different titles and irons in the fire, like what's the writing production process look like? Is it just like you and your man cave for, you know, hours and hours every day, like trying to pound out, you know, thousands of words? I'm not a fast writer at all, right? This month I've I've set a goal of 3,000 words a day, which is a lot for me. That is a lot. That's basically like 10 hours of procrastination and probably an hour of writing <laughs> because I, it's so draining to write fiction and I, it's hard to work up to get started. And I'm a really slow drafter. I'm not a very fast 
at the first draft. I'm a really good outliner, so I can plot it really well, but it's hard for me to write that rough draft. And then once I have a rough draft, I'm a really good editor, so I can go back and clean it up and make it, I can polish it. And that's a lot faster for me because I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. But the writing, even if you have a good outline with fiction, the writing is always kind of a stumbling process. So it's you really have to force yourself to get into it and do the work. And that's why, I mean, if I'm lucky, I can put out a book a month. And that's like 70,000 words. And that's a lot of work. That's like, it's eight hours a day of, of intention, but it's probably only like an hour. Like I'll do maybe 15 <laughs> minutes of writing and then I'll watch five hours of TV and I'll do another 15 minutes because it's just, for some reason, it's really taxing on my brain a lot more than other things. It comes in spurts. Yeah. I think for the, just for the sake of comparison, like buy buttons is 45,000 words and I think work smarter is like 25,000. So I mean, 70,000 is a pretty significant tome to tackle. My um, Shearwater is actually 140,000. Oh my gosh. My, the one I just put out. The half book was like 70,000 before and the new half book is 70,000. So I just put it out as one big, it was, it's hard to decide where to split them because I've, I've realized that my stories are really long and I get paid by the page read. So I earn more because it's a really long book. But on the other hand, it might be smarter, like Scarlet Thread, which is the one that's actually selling better. The whole first story would have been that long. So I just kind of picked a place for it to end around 70,000 words and that's book one. And it kind of still ends on a cliffhanger, but I'll just pick the story up again in the next book. Okay, fair enough. But the nice thing is now, like with Scarlet Thread, that's that sells really well. And I just have a link in the back to pre-order the next book. So I've already got 500 pre-orders for the next book in that series that I haven't really started promoting or talking about yet. It's just, it's up on Amazon on pre-order and I have a link in the back of the book. And that's enough because people read the first one. They want, they, they can get the second one right away. Oh, okay. That's an interesting way to do it. And there's kind of is, is a little bit of a debate between me and, and a friend of mine versus like, yeah, do I, do you put your book up for pre-order? And I mean, that, I think that's a genius way to collect pre-orders, but the challenge that I had was like, well, so you build all this hype, you build all this hype. And then on launch day, there's zero reviews. And so it looks like a ghost town versus uh-huh. what I did was like, okay, I'm going to really quietly put this up on Amazon. I'm not going to tell anybody about it other than my launch team and be like, okay, you guys can go get a copy. You guys can go leave a review. And then by the time launch day, public launch day rolls around, there's already 2025 reviews. So like, okay, now it looks like this is legit versus like other person with zero or single digits. But right. I did not have the foresight to like, hey, you could pre-order this, you know, in the back of the back of the book. It's hard to do a whole launch i do the same thing i'll kind of i'll do a pre-order but then i won't really talk about it when it's live and often because i i set my pre-order up to challenge me into finishing the book so like i have a book that's supposed to launch at the end of this month that is i've barely sketched out the first few chapters i have to write the whole book this month and publish it in the last couple months i've missed my pre-order deadline i've, I've uploaded like a really crappy rough draft full of typos and mistakes or unfinished, and that's what people get if they pre-ordered it. Oh, okay. Which is really embarrassing. And luckily, most of those people are on my list, so I can just email them and say, you know, I'm really sorry. Here's the right copy. So, it, like, it, it works because it helps. It helps me keep me focused, and actually helps me to do the work because I really need the deadline. Yeah. Okay. Because you have to punch in. Like, this is the date. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't. You have to. People are buying it. I have 500 pre-orders. I like it. Has to get done. <laughs> okay. Or else, all those people are going to be disappointed. So it's scary, but that pressure really helps. It may not be totally perfect, but it, it'll be good enough that they can get the story. There'll probably be typos, but then I can just hopefully get them on my list and apologize and say it's fixed now or, or kind of talk about that. 
but I'll usually tell my list. I'll do a free day and I'll tell my list about it. And then I'll wait a couple of weeks after the pre-order and after it's gone live before I'll do like a big advertising campaign because you don't want to do any advertising if you don't have reviews yet. Yeah. Tell me, I'm going to let you get back to writing here real quick, but let me, any other tips for kind of speeding up that production process now that you're kind of on the clock? Yeah, I've started to try to hire ghostwriters to help me with some of this stuff. And I've done that because I'm a cover designer. I can make the covers and do the editing really quickly. So I really just need to be producing faster. So I hired a couple of ghostwriters to write erotica because erotica sells crazy well. So I have three of those that I'm going to edit and publish. Okay. And all I've done is paid them like a couple hundred bucks to write me. I think it's 20,000 words or something. That seems really cheap. It's cheap. Actually, the other ones I found, I also hired three to write me novels. And I offered $350 for 50,000 words, which is really too cheap. I told them it's kind of a test for the first book, but then I would pay them more for the second and for the third book. And I'm okay with offering them like a co-writing credit. So if they want their name on the cover or whatever, okay, I'm okay with that. I would still get the sale. So I, I tried to make it a little bit more enticing because the money wasn't very good. Yeah. But the idea is if they can just, like if I can plot really well and they can just write a quick rough draft so that I can start going in and editing and polishing and cleaning it up, I think that'll really speed up my production. The jury's still out. So far, I mean, I found three writers that I think are really good writers I've seen their samples. They've written a couple sample chapters that I think are very decent. So I'm excited about that possibility because then I have three people who could be writing books while I'm writing a book. I could put out four books a month if I really had everything going well, which is crazy exciting. Yeah, just keep this machine spinning. Because if I can earn like a thousand bucks a month per book, then I could easily spend a thousand bucks to build the book as a product. Yeah. Did you find these people on Upwork or where did you find your right ghostwriters? Yeah, on Upwork. That's awesome. My one experience of hiring a ghostwriter from Elance back in the day was did not turn out that well. And it was similarly priced and it was just, I could not publish it. But oh, yeah. in the end, it probably still did save me some time because it was like, okay, now I'm not starting completely from scratch. Like I have some bones to work with. I can rearrange sentences and words and rewrite stuff. So even if you don't end up hitting publish word for word with what they sent you. It's like, it gives you, it speeds it up. Yep. Some of the stories I've had like a very loose, rough outline. And these ghostwriters have, before they started writing or working on the story, they kind of helped me to organize my outline and they added in some scenes. Even just, I feel like it's just for doing that, I've already gotten my 350 value because they've made the story stronger and they've added a few scenes it's really hard to kind of fill out the middle of a novel so I, I tend to have like there's a bunch of space in the middle where you want more stuff to happen because i otherwise you just kind of go from big plot point to the next plot point okay so it's i found even if they were just like helping me to organize my thoughts or, or to make the outline so that it's easier for me to know exactly what happens in the plot that's pretty valuable too so i'm so far i'm happy i think this will work out it's it's not going to be they're not going to provide something that's ready to publish but they'll provide something that I can work on that should save me some time. And I'll do a lot of editing and revising and fixing. But I'm, like I said, I think that's where I'm better anyway. I'm a lot faster at that part of the process. Absolutely. So Derek, this has been fascinating stuff. If I ever 
dip my toe into the fiction waters again. So I tried to write when well, I started. I, maybe, <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit that. I started writing uh, a fiction book probably over 10 years ago. Maybe I'll have to pick that one back up. I think the plot would still be pertinent today. But so <laughs> we'll, we'll end it here. So creativeindie.com, just creative without the E. It goes straight into the I there. So we'll link that up in the show notes for you at sidehustlenation.com slash Derek. And we'll wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Number one tip is what I say in Creative Indie is just you need to focus on providing value. If you want to make a business, you have to make something that other people want. And so a lot of people, they, they're focused on the, like, their passion or what I want to do in my life or what makes me happy. But that's not necessarily going to lead to money. You have to offer something that people are willing to pay for and position it well and package it well. You learn how to sell. You learn online business. But you have to really be focusing on helping other people. Then finally, when you've built up your big platform and you have traffic and you have a lot of business acumen, you know how to make money online, then it's a lot easier to decide what you want to do and make it work because you, you don't have to work as hard. But in the beginning, if you, you need to start, it's so much easier to make money with anything, with fiction or nonfiction or, or any online business, if you really just focus on helping people and providing value. I love it, man. That's what we're all about. Derek, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Eric. Number one is the rule of the internet. Remember, people are only ever online for one of two reasons. Number one, to solve a problem, or number two, to be entertained. And Derek is targeting the entertainment side of that, but he's doing it in a real strategic way. And that kind of goes back to his whole keyword research and genre research thing uh, before even uh, putting pen to paper on these books. Takeaway number two is it's a business. There was a non-insignificant investment in time and money for Derek to build up his writing business to where it is today. And during that time, he was bankrolling that investment with money earned from from freelance work and other projects, just like you might bankroll that investment with your paycheck from your nine to five. But he had a purpose and a vision behind it. And even though it was a creative pursuit, he pursued it as a business from day one. And takeaway number three is to build that list. As an author, this is your most important asset, a group of people who volunteered to hear from you and want to read more about what you have to say. One other quick note is uh, when Derek mentioned he's getting paid by the number of pages read, he's talking about the Kindle Unlimited program under KDP Select. Basically, you give Amazon exclusive rights to your book. They're going to let people borrow it for free and pay you based on how many pages those people read. Currently, around half a cent a page. If your books are shorter, like mine, not a huge moneymaker, rather just make a sale. But if you're writing 140,000 word epics that can keep people engaged, uh, those uh, royalty fees based on the pages read can add up fast. If you'd like to download a free PDF highlight reel from this episode, head over to sidehustlenation.com slash Derek, or use the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet a practicing doctor with a side hustle that's near and dear to my heart. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.